Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Late Lunch Playback, week ending May 22nd, 2020. We begin today with Rachel Rooney. She's 10 from Carrigalec National School on the Meath Cavan border. Back in March, while still in school, Rachel was given a task by teacher. Roll on the weeks, school's out and all in sundry are in isolation. A call from Granny one evening prompted something really special. Here's Rachel with the story. So everybody had to read a book and it was under the Hawthorne tree. And I had to read it. So I was in the kitchen doing my homework when my Nana rang and she and she um, asked how I was doing and how was my homework. And I said I had to read a book. And she asked, could she hear the book and what was it about? I said it was about the famine and what happened during it. So I read her a chapter and she wanted to hear more about it. So every day from half 11, I read a chapter to her from the book. And then I I ordered the second and third book. Oh my, oh my. This is simply wonderful. And your granny is Olive Rooney because of the restrictions you can't see her. She couldn't come to see you. So she was calling each day to see how everybody was in your home. Yep. And this just happened. And it just happened like that, as simple as that. You told her, she said to you, would you read to me? And this has happened every day. Do you have a, a set time every day that you call or she calls you? Um, Every weekday at half 11, I read. And then at weekends, I read at half one. <laughs> Why the difference in half eleven and half one? What's going on? Why do you change times at the weekends? Because I do be sleeping. <laughs> Good woman yourself. I wish I could sleep that long myself. I just can't. But it's great to hear. It's great to hear that you can. So that's why the time actually changes us. And that's just brilliant. It really is. And, you know, how long would you spend on the call? How long, How much do, would you read each time? Um, it could be around half an hour a day. A half an hour. You are fantastic. And off you go and you read a little piece from the book. Obviously, your granny was interested, was she? Uh, she had to be when she heard that the book was about the famine. Yeah, she loved it. And she just, 
she, like, she got so, like, into it. She'd be happy during it and she'd be sad during it. And I just love reading it to her. So, yeah, we got the second and third book and I'm in the middle of the second book reading to her. So you've started something here that's going to continue. Isn't this just wonderful? I'm going to put you on the spot now. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? I'm going to put you on the spot, young lady. Would you read a little paragraph to our late lunch listeners and me today? Yes. Okay, Um, go on. I'll read a chapter. Is that okay? Is that long? It's not too long, the chapters, are they? No. No, it's, it's only a little chapter. Yeah, well, read the little chapter well, for me. It's a Away page you go. from the chapter. A pa- right, you'll read a page from the chapter. OK, so here we have Rachel Rooney as she reads to our granny Olive each day. Away you go. Chapter one, hunger. The air felt cold and damp as Eileen stirred in her bed and tried to pull a bit more of the blanket up on her shoulders. Her little sister Peggy moved against her. Peggy was snoring again. She always did when she had a cold. The fire was nearly out. The hot ash made a soft glow in the gloom of the cottage. Mother was crooning quietly to the baby. Bridget's eyes were closed and her soft face looked paler than ever. As she lay wrapped in mother's soul, her little fist clinging to a piece of long chestnut-coloured hair. Bridget was still ill. They all knew it. Underneath the wrapped shawl, her body was too thin, her skin white and either too hot or too cold. To the touch. Mother held her all day and all night. And that's a page from the chapter. You are marvellous. I would listen to you all day. You're a lovely reader. You really do. You put feeling into it. I could picture the scene there as you were reading that extract from chapter one there of the book. No wonder your granny's on the phone with you every day. You must really make such a difference to her life. I know you have. She loves it, doesn't she? Yeah, and I love reading to her as well. Ah. I ain't one bit surprised that you love and look at the love that's here in both directions from you to her and her to you. Are you missing her that you can't actually, you know, hug her? I miss just going down to her house and just relaxing in the kitchen after school sometimes. It's shocking, isn't it? It's another big loss that people are feeling and I'm sure she feels it and and you feel it too but you know Rachel the time is coming when you will be able I'll tell you this I'd love to be there for that first hug (laughs) it's going to be it's going to be the biggest squeeze ever isn't it yeah it really is we're going to visit her a lot when we're able to Ah, go down to her house and Mm. take her for drives Lovely, lovely, lovely. Is she far from from your house? Is is there much distance between you? She's only like two, three miles away, like down the road. Mm. But it might as well be a lifetime the way we are at the minute. It, it's not really to do with distance. You just can't be there and she can't be with you. This yeah. is a beautiful, beautiful story. Are you a fan of any of the uh, children's writers? Do you like, I, I know you, you're reading under the Hawthorne Three uh, by uh, Maria, uh, Marita Conlon McKenna uh, at the moment. Anyone else you love to read? Um, I love to read Liz Pitchin. She's the one that writes the Tom Gates. Books, yes, yeah, yes. So I you like, like those books. 
Yeah. And what about you're in fourth class, I mentioned there, in Carrickleck National School. Are you yeah. missing school? Are you missing your friends? Yeah, I miss going to school every morning. Mm, yeah, sure. I, I love I love seeing my friends. Of course, of course. And school look, is just like right across the road from me. Is it? So you see it every day? Yeah. Oh, and they're all missing. Are you keeping in touch with them in any way? You know, besides keeping in great touch with your granny, what about your friends? Yeah, I do be on to them and ringing, ringing them and, yeah. Do you? Yeah, good. But it's not the same, is it, as playing it's together? Not the same. No, it really isn't. I understand that. But, you know, we all have to make the best. You understand that of, of where we are at the minute. And we're all doing, we're doing a great job. And you're especially doing a wonderful job. You're just 10 and you're in fourth class. You're going into fifth in September. Yeah, I'm going into fifth class in September. Good woman. You're fantastic. And any thoughts of what you might like to do later on in your life? Have you even thought about that? You're only 10. You don't think about those um, things when you're 10. Well, do you? I'd like to do art when I'm older. I've always loved art. You're good at art, I'd say. Thank you. <laughs> I know, I know you are. I know you're good at art. I just get that feeling even from uh, uh, talking to you for these few minutes, speaking with you and, and, and hearing you read that paragraph there from the lovely book. Well, listen, you're a wonderful young woman. Well done to you. This is a fantastic story. You've really made my day. You have, and I'm sure many listeners as well, to hear what you had to say there and tell that little tale of you and your granny keeping in contact. Rachel, keep on reading for your lovely granny, Olive. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the show. Take care. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Bye. What a lovely story. Well done, Rachel. And that lovely bond with your granny may it continue for years and years to come. Next up, Olivia Duff tells us how difficult it was to close the doors of the Headford Arms Hotel for the first time since the early 1970s. But there's no keeping a good woman down, as Olivia's come up with a wonderful slogan, hashtag adapt or die. It's simply brilliant. Here's Olivia explaining its origins. Yeah, well, actually, it came really from my brother and... Um, now, now in this time, as we all have a little bit more time and we're repainting, it's going to be on, on the, the hashtag, it's going to be on the wall of the pub, please God, when we do get to reopen. But where, where it came from was um, as kind of, I suppose, the, the reality of the whole situation unfolded and it was a very emotional day when Vincent looked at me, God, I'm going to well up now even telling you, he looked at me and he said, will we close the door together? And we went out and we closed the front door of the hotel. And it was the first time, apart from Christmas Day, that the the doors had shut, you know, um, Mm. for any prolonged period since 1972, mum and dad, 48 years. And I suppose kind of, you know, we were about two two weeks in or so and Vin called me and he's he's a great man for, for the ideas and we'll plough on and we'll keep going. And he said, Liv, I, th- I think we should give takeaway a, a, a shot. And uh, so we we contacted, uh, put it out amongst a, a few, few of the team and um, a few of them kind of came back in and we, we met at a distance. And we have a great Polish chef called Harpo. And uh, as, as you know, kind of, you know, he's with us for absolutely years and uh, he has a kind of a half Irish accent. But he still very much has the, uh, the, the Eastern European kind of 
cutthroat, you know, way about him. And we were all sitting there waiting to kind of start the meeting and discuss would, would it be worth reopening or doing anything. And he came in and he said, well, lads, it's adapt or die, isn't it? <laughs> and you know what? We just all broke out laughing. And we said, you know what, that has to be our motto going going forward mm. now. So uh, literally, you have to adapt to the situation and embrace it or, or possibly not survive. And um, that's business, of course, you know, I mean, safety comes first. But um, but but yeah, it's been a scary time. And how has it gone since you started the takeaway? Is it going well for you? Yeah, it's going great. Um, it's it's a whole different beast. I mean, it's been a huge learning curve. Um, I think probably, you know, yourself, Jerry, listening to some of the lovely interviews you've done, the goodwill and the support of friends, family and community has just been phenomenal. Um, when we put it out there, we were thinking of doing this. I mean, the the messages of support, the phone calls. I even had one one customer the first weekend we went live. We couldn't we couldn't really cope with the phone calls because I think everyone was just kind of craving some chicken wings, or you know, they were saying, <laughs> "Thank God, get us away from the stove, get me out of the kitchen." Just that treat, you know, to feel maybe mm. just a little normal again. And we couldn't cope with the phone calls. And I had a, I had a call from a guy, Michael Finucane, from Navin. He's such a, such a good um, customer of ours. And he, um, Michael, has, uh, came from GameStop.ie, and he said, Olivia, you need to get online. I want to help you do it. And I said, Oh, listen, you know, thanks a million. Um, what should I do? And he said, I, I, I don't want, I don't want anything just to see you succeed. And it was the same with, you know, the the signage, David Mulvaney there in Kells, straight down to help. And what can I do? You know, Sinead Byrne working from home there out in Town, just local one man yeah. show people saying, right, let's do this. Um, the minute you picked up the phone and I, I really hope we, we kind of keep that ethos going when all of this is over, because it's just been so heartwarming. Yes, you know. it really has. And lovely to hear those names and those businesses and those people as well. So looking ahead, when when is the restriction fully lifted on the hotel business? Yeah, sure. So so at the moment, literally what we're operating is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you collect it at the door. So it's, okay. it's amazing how technology as well, I think, has has completely transformed in this very short time. Um, we, we went live on a Friday with our online and by the Sunday, 85% of all of our orders were online. We couldn't believe it. Um, mm. And people literally click pay and we drop it out to their car or they come up. It's amazing how many people just want to get out of their car to say hello. They're just so delighted to see you and we're so delighted to see them and make sure everyone is well again. But um, So we'll be kind of continuing this as so many other businesses are until the first restriction lift for us is the 29th of June. Um, Mm. But you know what, Jerry? We're, We're looking at it and examining how much of it is really worth it and cutting the cloth and again there we go adapt or die embracing the the new temporary norm that we're going to reopen like we'll be reopening at 
approximately, you know, 50% of our capacity if we have to stay at the two metre restriction. So um, we're very lucky to have like great outdoor space. We've a great garden yes. and God, little did I think when we built a pizza oven two years ago that, you know, that's going to become a very important part of our kind of summer um, offering mm. and that. But on the 29th of June, restaurants are allowed to reopen. And then um, the hotel um, will be allowed to open on the 20th of July. So it's not until the 20th of July that we can actually, in, you know, uh, welcome kind of, say, all of our golfers and all of our... We hope that everybody um, will be kind of thinking about staycation at, at this point. And, oh, you know, I think you're assured of that, again. Olivia. Yeah, I do think that is going to be a big feature yeah. of the rest of the year. Yeah. Now, look, yeah. I want to move on because time is going to beat me. I have a couple of things I want to throw at you. Firstly, before I move on, I want to say a big hello to Teresa Allen. Of course, your right-hand woman in the Headford Arms. I know she's yeah. been a little under the weather lately. But, Teresa, we love you. And I want to say all the best to you. And racing's back. Racing's back shortly. Oh, She'll be yeah. delighted, she's won't she? Missing that so much, but <laughs> no, Teresa is back to one hundred percent, and she's in great, great form, thank God. And um, yeah, yeah, she's sure we're all like one big family, you know. So she's, she's oh, great. yeah. Do I know it? Now, yeah. just uh, t- uh, before we finish up today, tell me about your your girls because they have suddenly developed green fingers and they're becoming they producers. They're becoming producers themselves with their with their hens, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jerry, I I read your your post last night. It was so beautiful. Um, and you know, you, you spoke about um a glut of strawberries buying a baby chair for your house and calling it the strawberry <laughs> chair, and how gorgeous <laughs> that is. And I suppose this time, God, today is World Bee Day. I've bought a hive, <laughs> hoping to produce honey. Um, last year's conkers have now become COVID nineteen memorial plants in our house and our girls we our isolation project as we've called it has become an honesty box um at the gates of the farm and on the road and oh listen it's it's more of just this back to basics lovely i suppose if we take anything positive out of this time it's just looking out for each other and the neighbourhood, you know, really connecting and supporting each other. Um, So, yeah, like, I mean, it started with a few eggs. We had about 20 hens. And sure, as rare as hens' teeth comes to mind, you can't get anything like that at the moment. So um, Owen went and, and got some rescue hens and... You know what? It's been such a good thing to do because when you see them coming out of battery uh, operation, honestly, you'd never you'd never eat one of those eggs again. And we have all different types and shapes and sizes of eggs. So, so the girls are are busy, busy. I've three girls. They're they're ten, seven, and five, and they're busy loading up the eggs, washing them, putting them into their boxes, and up and down the avenue, they've a basket on their bicycle into the honesty <laughs> box. And now we have tomato plants. I saw Anna going down there yesterday. I said, what is in the basket? She said, a watermelon plant. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, but you know what? She grew it from seed. And yeah. you spoke about it there. You know yourself, the connection that you have to your food or to anything when you've had to nurture it and grow it. Mm. They've taken so much pride in this. Um, and I really encourage... Any parent who's kind of thinking at the moment, oh my God, what 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 could I do for today's activity? 
order some seeds, even get them online. And the joy to watch your kids grow something even as simple as a sunflower or a bean is just great. Um, so, yeah, we're almost self-sufficient. We've all our own all our own meat. We had a Dexter beef last night of our own. Um, and, yeah, so the, the honesty boxes are going flat out. We can't keep up with the, the eggs <laughs> at the moment. And I brought the first of our salad down to it yesterday as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll be looking to you for some green finger tips, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you, I'm, I'm going to give you a tip here today. And I did, uh, people might, might be wondering, I posted on Facebook last night. I was just in my garden and I've been in it so much. And it's not a big garden. It's a small patch, a little greenhouse and so many raised beds. But it's amazing what you can get out oh, from even absolutely. a confined space. It's unbelievable. But I just reflected on how I started as a young boy and my father gave me the first seeds and the people who influenced me through the years. And I posted and honestly, it's gone wild with people just saying, oh, my God. And and it's brought it home. And I did it for the for, for what you're saying there, to try and encourage people themselves. So here's my little tip for today. I normally leave this to uh, Nikki Kyle to do. But if you want seeds that'll grow quickly and you'll have produce fast, get courgette yeah. seeds. Yeah. Courgette seeds. And put them in now, one into an individual seed into a pot. They'll, they'll jump up within days and you'll be moving them on to plant them out in, in about a week or two's time, three weeks maybe, and you'll have beautiful courgettes so fast yeah. and you know and courgettes yourself. I, oh, ah. <laughs> you'll know what Listen, real food tastes like when you, you grow your own you, as well, isn't that right? You certainly will. You certainly yeah. will. And that's just something simple that people could do. Just before we conclude, the other thing I, I personally want to mention is Donna from the Handmade Soap Company, who I did talk to as one of those interviews you mentioned some weeks back when this all broke. And Donna... Uh, your, some of your people have been gainfully employed by them. Yeah, so, um, I mean, there's been amazing... Again, we have to, maybe now, I know, you know, we think so much of the negativity and we're all in awe of our frontline workers and, and this extremely worrying time, but there's been such incredible moments of innovation as well. Um, and you see Donna, the handmade soap company there, uh, diversified into making um, hand sanitizer, as did mm. List Oak Gin and my great yes. friend um, Brona Conlon and even the Boyne Valley Flavours Food Box has been a fantastic new initiative. So Donna um, diversified into hand sanitizer and sure couldn't keep up again with the demand. And he rang us. Sure, he done only lives five doors down from the hotel. Rang us and said, "Listen, I need help. Have you any people?" And sure, some of our crew were only delighted to go over. Wonderful. Um, Wonderful. And, and and that's that's kind of more of it. So it sums I, I it up. It's been time to to react yeah. and. Um, yeah, you know, maybe we haven't had this time before to to think about yeah. things. So I think I hope when when things do get back to, it's going to be a new norm that we bring the positivity with us. And uh, you know, like I mean, we're looking in the hotel at such things like being reality like a contactless check-in you know when we reopen mm. that the guests mm. will be checking in off their phone and you won't have any contact with them but I really hope that despite that technology that's going to be needed that we don't forget you know what our Irish people are best at and that's the Cade Mila isn't it? It certainly is Olivia and returning to Ireland soon Emma Lennon's triplets have arrived. Quinn, Callie and Minnie were born last Thursday. And Emma stepped out of the neonatal intensive care unit at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda to have a word with me. They're obviously in the NICU here in the intensive care in Drogheda. 
Um, they're just they're doing so well. It's slowly and surely, like you know, they are they were only born at thirty four, uh, just thirty three uh, weeks. So as everyone says, it's slowly but surely, but everything is going great so far, so good. Isn't that wonderful? But they are, you know, for triplets, it's a good show. It really is. Oh, it is. They're brilliant. They're, they're, everybody is super impressed with them here in the hospital, you know. <laughs> so tell me about the, the actual, the section itself. Had the, the good man, David, was was he there? What What was the story, you know, with all the restrictions and curtailments that are happening at the moment? Yeah, it's crazy, but he was allowed in. Um, I know that in some hospitals around the place that that's not the case, but we were we're very lucky anyway. David was able to come um, in. So basically the morning of, we got up early, we came in. Um, David sat in the car park across the road there in the, the, the United Stadium there waiting for the call. I got set up for the, the section. The nurses were just, it was a very emotional morning, you know, so mm. I was so glad to have the, the support of the nurses and the midwives and everything that was around. They were brilliant. Um, just got set up for the operation. David got the call and then we went down to the theatre to have the girls. And it was just, it's amazing how quickly that actually all goes. Uh, I've never had an operation before. So um, I was there anyway and we were in and out. <laughs> I have to say we were in and out. Two of the girls were born in the same minute at 9.29. And then their sister was born following then at 9.30. So who, which two came first? Callie and Minnie were first and then <laughs> Quinn was last at 9.30. Quinn, Quinn arrived then. So there's a oh, We're not going to tell them that though, so we, we won't ever play this back to them because it'll be competition. I'm out in the you know. <laughs> That's what I'm just thinking here as well. Yeah, there will be. This will be something that will run through their lives. So anyway, they're taken uh, to the NICU straight away and you are sorted out. Um, how long do you expect they're going to be there to be cared for with very special attention? I don't really know, to be honest with you. I'd lo- like everybody is asking that question. I'd love to be able to tell people, like, you know, oh, they're coming out in two weeks, they're coming out in three weeks, they're coming out in six weeks. But it's re- when you're dealing with the NICU, you really don't know. It's day to day. Like, they are thriving and they're doing brilliant. But at the same time, like, they're not really due until 28th of June, you know. So they, if, if I was still carrying them, they'd still be cooking away, you know. So... They're just really grown in a different environment here now in in the hospital, but they're doing so well. So um, two of the girls, two of the bigger girls, Callie and Quinn now, they have moved on into a different room now. So they're actually regulating their own temperatures. They're not in the heated cottage, the incubators or anything like that. And everybody says the closer you get to the door, the closer you are to getting home. So the two girls are in another room. So you never know. We might have two girls home before we have little mini. The way you say it there, you're so laid back, I have to say, Emma Lennon. They would have been cooking still for another few weeks. I thought it was with Tara Walker in the cookery school. Actually, she's on us a little bit later on in the show. But there you have it. But it it stands to you when when you're of that temperament as well. What about you? You have a daughter as well. Has she been able to see them or what's the story there? No, she hasn't been able to see them in person yet, but we were FaceTiming yesterday for the first time. The, the midwives and the nurses here, they, they allowed me to use a little room off to the side uh, for privacy, you know, so nobody else's um, babies were around or whatever like that. Um, so we we went into a little room and we had a FaceTime with Casey and my sister and my mum. So... Yeah, we were. It was it's emotional, you know. I, I can't. I'm not going to go too much into it because I'll be the flood here now, and you'll be you'll be you'll be laughing at me down the phone crying. But 
yeah, no, it's, it's, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. Like, it is great that they're doing well and I'm so lucky that I'm getting to come in and, and you know, like I'm speaking to you from the hospital here at the moment. I'm actually yeah, just stepping out to, to, to have a little word with you. But yeah, it's hard and it's hard work. There's a lot of work to be done as well. I'd be glad when the restrictions are lifted and David would be able to come in and give me a hand, you know. Mm. So it's just you at the moment that has access to see them? Yeah, correct. Yeah, they're very good in here. Like you know, like they, they the the hospital's down fifteen minutes, and it's very strict, and it's mothers only. But because I have the three girls and everything, they're so accommodating to me up here. Like they really are. They're great. We're lucky that we were able to have them in Drada. Fantastic. Well done to everybody. I say again to all the people on the front line. They're doing a wonderful job. And Absolutely. at this time, uh, babies are being born. <laughs> that doesn't stop. It continues on. And that has to be dealt with with all the safety regulations as well. Now, what about back home? Are, are you ready and prepared and have you all, everything sorted if they do and when they do arrive home? We've got the absolute essentials for them coming home. You know, we didn't want to be going too mad when when I was carrying them, buying things. You never know what they're going to need and what their needs are going to be when they were born. And that was advice that was given to us from the consultants and the doctors and everybody else. But um, we have the main things. We we are after getting two cots to put together um, so we can have like a giant cot so we can put them all together when they're eventually ready to go into the cot. But um, we're finding it hard just to find a place that's open to make the mattress because all along we knew we were going to get a custom-made mattress and I'm after been trying to find, you see, with the COVID, you know, everything is closed. All factories are closed and businesses are closed and businesses are getting back to me all right, but it's a matter of being able to get the thing done. So I suppose that's something that we're on the hunt for at the moment. We're looking for something that some company that's open to be able to custom make the mattress for us, I suppose. Is there anybody out there today? I'll just throw it out to our listeners. There may be somebody listening that can help you there. Anybody there that can help Emma at this time? She needs assistance. If you can, give us a shout on the usual numbers here. 1850-715-958. You can call in or message me 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp. I was just sitting here thinking this morning of what I'd talk to you about and what I'd say to you. And the one thing that jumped uh, to me was your family has doubled in an instant. Yeah, overnight. <laughs> <laughs> From three to six, there were three in the house. Now there's going to be six here very shortly. Does that spook you in any way? Well, yeah, because we live in a two-bedroom house. <laughs> oh, um, oh, my God. We've only got two bedrooms. It was perfect for the three of us. So, sure, we weren't anticipating we were going to be having three in the one go, you know. Mm. So, um, yeah, we're in a, we're out in Bettystown there in the two beds. So, hopefully now we'll be able to... We're, it's not priority at the moment. So, you know yourself, it's just a matter of making sure the girls are all right at the moment. We still have to change our car as well. Like, we're driving our car and we need a seven-seater and... We were planning on buying the car a couple of weeks ago, but sure, with the COVID and everything else, it's hard to get to a dealership or, you know, travel the distance that you're allowed to within the the 5km now that it is. So, yeah, we're just, we've a lot on. (laughs) We've a lot on. We've a lot still to do, but we've a lot done as well, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'll get there. You will get there. We'll but get I'm just, there in the end. Yeah. I'm I, I, I thinking about the house. Never thought about the blimmin' car as well because you're going to have three baby yeah. seats in there and soon. And, and the that's thing is, they need all the, the specific car seats as well. You know, they have yeah. the we have the eyes up fixed because they're you need to have a sturdy and everything like that. So yeah, it has to be a car that can fit the three eyes and fix in it then as well. So mm. yeah, a lot of research and we've been down over the last well. The the girls themselves. Let's come back to them when when you look at them. Are they identical? Yeah, they are. And they're all the image of David as well. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, the dad. You see, the girls follow the daddies. I'm sorry, Emma, but this seems to be the way of the world. Yeah, I've I'm seen just it looking at the pictures of them and everything when I'm at home and I'm like, where am I in them? And even when I'm talking to David across the table then when we're coming home and I, I'd glance at him and I can see the babies. I can just see his face and I see, I see the baby's faces in his, I suppose, then as well. <laughs> but listen, with time, you will see yourself and it, it will develop in them. But it's generally the case that the dad is seen, especially in the girls as well. Um, the excitement must be just palpable at this time. And, you know, if it were different times, if it were back three, six months ago, you can only imagine. And with the restrictions and everything, it's a little bit of dampener on it. You know, from, from the publicity you'd be getting and all the hoorah around it, I, I'm sure you understand that yourself. Come here, I'm, only, I'm inundated with people texting and Are reaching you? out, and yeah, it's, just, it's lovely. Like everybody is, everybody is on the phone. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. I'm after being contacted by loads of other triplet parents as well on Instagram, which is great because you get all the tips and life hacks, I suppose, and everything like that. But I, the thing that I think I found very hard with the whole restrictions and stuff like that is family, because obviously you'd love to be able to share. The last bit of the pregnancy, the the the, the coming home, the the arrival, the everything like that. Um, yeah, that's hard as well not to be able to to be able to share that with your family. I gave my mum a kiss for the first time in like three or four months the other day. Um, it's just it's just a crazy yeah. time to be having babies, let alone be crazy mm. time to be having triplets. You know. Isn't it interesting the way uh, technology and social media and all the platforms have facilitated that contact, and yet. It all comes back home, isn't it? It's the people closest to you, the family, yeah. the ones yeah. who you really want to be part of this. And that's been, you're saying that's the biggest, that's the toughest part of this for you. Definitely. But we have a family group. We have a WhatsApp group and it's all David's mum and sister and my auntie, my dad, my mum, my sister, you know, like it's a great way of keeping in touch. As you said, the social media, the platforms like that is brilliant. And we were able to do Zoom. We were playing family quizzes and stuff like that on Zoom to, to get Casey like be able to see her family because like as long as well as that she's had to be sticking by my side for the last few months she hasn't been able to breathe like you know we had to really isolate ourselves just to make sure that we were protecting the babies as well you know so of course yeah technology thank god for remind me again um it's just slipped my mind the chances of giving birth to triplet girls that would be identical it's in the millions isn't it yeah, it, it ranges. Like, if you Google it, it does range. But I think the highest range is 1 in 200 million. I think it goes from 1 in 70,000 to 1 <laughs> in 200 million. It's some statistic, isn't it? And here you are. You are this one that we're talking about with these three beautiful wee girls, Quinn, yeah. Callie and Minnie. Had you the names just before we go beforehand or did that happen subsequently? Were you thinking about names? Yeah, we were thinking about names. We, it was very difficult to find one name, let alone find three, you know. And it has to be mm. something that we all liked and we all liked to say because we're going to be saying it for the rest of our lives, you know. Mm. So we were we were just kind of faffing around with names. We had a Minnie was going to be Cassidy at one stage, um, but we were calling her Small Baby. We were calling her Small Baby all the way up, and then she started catching up with her sisters. So then we were saying we can't call her Small anymore. We, and then she was Minnie and I think I was on the phone to my friend Shauna and we were chatting away and I was saying Minnie has a name and then David said to me then that he's like Minnie is after sticking now you know we can't call her anything yeah. else but Minnie so Minnie. Yes, treble trouble of the loveliest kind. Congratulations and best wishes to Emma, David and Katie 
and her new sisters. Aren't people so creative? The Walsh household in County Meath organised their very own Come Dine With Me. Here's Mum Debbie to explain. You know what, Jerry? there would be six adults in my house at the moment. And um, so we picked my husband to do the videoing of mm. all um, the, the different nights. And then the five of us decided that what we would do is just take a night each and we would cook a three-course dinner, pick a theme. Um, if there was entertainment, they'd pick the entertainment. And then we left that person to it. And before we were called down, we went into the lounge where we did exactly as they do on Come Dine With Me. We spoke about the menu and how we thought the menu looked and what we thought we were going to get. And then went into the kitchen and that person served us up a wonderful dinner. (laughs) So do I take it that dad isn't the best in the kitchen, that he was assigned to direct, produce and film this series? Jerry, he was. And you know what? It's been a standing joke in my house because technically, according to the paper, I'm married to two men. Um, (laughs) Gordon is not my husband. I don't know who Gordon is, but if he's a millionaire and he's out there, (laughs) I'm your girl. (laughs) It's actually John, who's the husband. Oh, my God. Where did I get the name Gordon from? I got that somewhere. Where did I pick that up? It's actually... Oh, oh my God. So... Yeah, it's a standing joke. (laughs) I'm there. I'm just giving it wings as well this afternoon by naming him. Anyway, John, well done. I should have known that because I met John in the past, of course, with your beautiful daughter, Megan, who we're going to have a word with in a moment. But look at John. Let me do the credits right. I bet them get them correct anyway. Directed, produced and shot by John, the man of the house. So there's you, Debbie. There's Megan, your daughter. Who else did the other nights? Well, my, my eldest son, Matthew. And then yep. my, my middle son, uh, Brandon, and then Megan's partner picked her up from the airport um, on her way back from America and got stuck in our house with the lockdown and the travel restrictions. So he's a sick <laughs> adult. And, uh, yep, so he had to get involved in the whole come dine with me thing as well. And you picked a theme each night, I see. So you went Greek, you went Korean. That's a strange one. I wonder about that. Italian. Oh, my God. And then other two nights. This puzzles me. Comfort food. Mm. And a mishmash night. Who did the the mishmash? Me. I got stuck with it. So I was actually not meant to be on the first night. And then my middle son was meant to be on the first night. But he had to work that day. So we traded and I was kind of lumped into it. So I just decided to go. I think I had French. I had um, Italian and I had, some, uh, I can't even remember what the other one was, but <laughs> yeah, I just did three different kinds of meals from three different countries. So it was great. It was good fun. Here's the thing, though. Were you as forthright as some of the people in the television series? You know, did you really critique? Did anybody put the knife in? Oh, my Lord. On the first two nights, they were so mean. It was really awful. <laughs> After my dinner, they all went into the lounge and went, well, the chicken was really dry. And I was like, what <laughs> And then they realised, no, OK, it was actually a bit of fun. So maybe they'd be a bit less mean. Mm. And you did. The thing about this is you dressed up. If it was a Greek night, you tried to dress in uh, the, uh, the fashion from Greece. The same with Korea, Italian. What did you do? The comfort food night, I, I take it you just dressed down for that one, did you? No, we all stayed in our pyjamas. It was probably the best <laughs> <this> night. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. And and mishmash, did you just mix and mash like you did with the food as regards what people wore that night, the final night? Well, Megan, Megan dressed up as a French lady, um, George Italian, and I have a, a Nelson Mandela suit that I brought with me from South Africa, and I put that on, which looked a bit bizarre, but I'm sure. You know what? That's, it was something out the cupboard. Oh, fantastic. This is lovely. It really is. We spotted it, and I have to say, in the, the Mead Chronicle, it's a great story. So I think Sally Harding had it there. Well done to her. Put Megan yeah. on. Will you? Lovely to talk to you t- today, Debbie. Is Megan there with you? Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Hi, Jerry. How Not are you? at all. Hello, Megan. Come on to that phone there for me. Have you got it? I've got it here now. Ah, good woman yourself. I will never forget when you came with your dad, John. Let me get that straight again. No errors, please. John is the dad. You visited late lunch and we played Oh Mama Bio Caro. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. Oh my, I can still remember it. It is a few years, but the reaction that brought on that day, I, I still remember it, your voice. I'm, I'm no surprise that you've gone on to make this a full-time career. Listen, I take it you won this contest. Please tell me you did. Uh, no, afraid. I <gasps> came second last. Um, my oh, skills no. are not as good as my singing skills, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Who won? Uh, my brother, Brandon, won. He's, he's, he could be a chef if he wanted to. He always has wanted to be a chef, so... He, he's had a good bit of practice and he made homemade hummus and Mediterranean food and homemade, um, uh, oh, Greek food, sorry. Uh, yes. Lots of different stuff, but all homemade, homemade bread, everything. Homemade ice so cream. He... So he was a <laughs> Oh, lovely, lovely. So he took off the massive prize of 50 euro. He'll never be able to spend it. Was it card or cash? <laughs> well, come here, he spent more making the food than he won, so... <laughs> <laughs> The poor fella, you'll have to just top up that to you. You'll have to give him a top up. He really deserves a top up now. Anyway, you are travelling the world with Celtic Woman. From what I hear, your partner George is there staying with you. You made it back by the skin of your teeth ahead of the lockdown. Yeah, so uh, we were about three weeks into an 86 show tour uh, across about, we were meant to be out in the United States for three and a half months. And um, we were three weeks into it and there were kind of talks of everything going on in the world and we were just kind of waiting to hear what was going to happen. Um, and then one of the days we were all just brought in and said, look, guys, you know, everything's shut down. We're, we're all going home, um, which was it was it was tough, but, you know, it was the right thing to do. But, you know, we, we absolutely loved the show we were doing and, you know, but we just wanted to be safe. Um, but we were actually, we got on the plane to come home. We flew out of New York, which is a bit scary. And we were uh, on the plane with our lingus and the air hostess said, you know, this is probably our last flight out of America for a long time. So oh. we were we were very, very lucky to get home. I'm glad to be home, I'm sure. Home oh, is yeah. where the heart is, isn't it? Always, it always is. How is George? How is he getting on? How is he finding the Walsh hospitality? Well, he met my mum for the first time that morning that he picked me up from the airport um, and they've got to know each other pretty well since. <laughs> so, Good. Um, but Good. yeah, he's getting on great and we're both, he's a singer as well, so we've both just been trying to sing away and do some covers and, you know, keep busy yeah. as much as we can. I heard beside the food, the neighbours were all out wondering where the melodious singing and uh, <laughs> entertainment was coming from there as well. Is there any truth to that rumour? No, I say they're at this point saying, "Will this just ever be quiet?" <laughs> <laughs> and listen, you're gluttons for punishment because this has kicked off something. 
don't tell me you're back into the kitchen shortly again and in the Walsh home. Yeah, we're doing the Great Navin Bake Off now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> anyway, what will you be baking, Megan? Have you something up your sleeve? Uh, I'd probably just do a white chocolate cheesecake or something. <gasps> I just can oh. We've decided to do once a week instead of every night because we just, ah, by, yeah. the end of the, by the end of the five days, we were just rolling around the place like... Fantastic fun, but testing times all round for the Walsh household. And if you're needing inspiration, have a listen to Siobhan McAleese tell her story and how music sustained her through tough times. The issue arose after her birth, but it might have been there previous to Mm. her birth because I had had a miscarriage before Maisie. That was my first pregnancy, so... It could have been there before Maisie was born, but it only came to light really after she was born. Not and to let, I suppose. Issue... Go on, go on ahead, go on. Yeah, it, it, it didn't come to light till a year and a half after she was born, actually. So, really? Yes. <laughs> so, so the issue was you had an issue. There was a small tumour on your pituitary gland, which is in behind the eye. That's right, Jerry. Yeah. So, w- what happened was I had I had breastfed Maisie for six months after she was born, and I went back to work um, in Dublin uh, after maternity leave. And about nine months after I was back at work, I noticed that I was actually still able to produce milk, and that shouldn't really be happening a year after you have finished breastfeeding. So that was sort of the, the alarm bell that was ringing in my mind. I said, I better better get this checked out. So I went to my GP and we did bloods and it showed a high level of prolactin. And from there, my GP said, right, we need to get you to see an endocrinologist in Beaumont, which I did. And we had an MRI scan and it was through that that they located um, a small, at the time, 1.5 centimetre benign tumour on my pituitary glands. So that's how it it came to light. Now, they said to you, look, it'll be fine. They obviously said it's benign, it's okay, things are okay at the moment. They did caution you, however, that if you were to have another pregnancy, you may have to have uh, some treatment. Correct, yeah. So at the time, it wasn't causing too much um, interference, I guess. They said there was a chance that maybe I could be in infertile but that I could go on and have either do nothing or um, go on medication to see could I get pregnant or actually have it operated on there and then. So we decided, my husband and I, that um, if we were lucky enough to have a second child wouldn't that be amazing so we opted for the, the option of going on medication to see would we fall pregnant and a year later I uh, Dylan, a miracle happened, so I became pregnant. And everything was was going great through the pregnancy. I was been kept um, an eye on very closely over in Drogheda in Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. I was seeing another endocrinologist there, Dr. Ahern, and his team, and also um, an eye doctor to make sure that there was no interference in my eyes because of where the tumour was. And just, I suppose, to explain the size of the pituitary gland, which um, women and men have, but women have it, I know, behind the eye. The size of it is only the size of a pea. It's very small, but it actually is like the mothership of your signals to other glands and hormones. So it's quite powerful. 
So they were really keeping a very, very close eye on me and everything was absolutely hunky-dory. Up until about, I'd say, a month before Dylan was born, I started to feel things were definitely not right. So from there, um, this this was October 2018 and the first thing I noticed was I was getting like a blurred vision in my eye, my left eye in particular, and um, a, a pressure. It felt like a pressure, like someone was almost sticking their finger on my eyeball constantly. And this pressure in my cheek as well when I blinked. And I was also starting to feel quite anxious, but I was putting it down to, you know, you're about to have a second child, but I was trying to remain relaxed, all those things. And, um, yeah, you just get on with life. You just do what you have to do. And I suppose I, I, I was pushing it aside a little bit, thinking I just need to concentrate on on um, getting through this, the birth. And I knew at the far side of that, I would be having um, a checkup in terms of the tumour and an, a, a follow-on MRI. So I knew I would be in safe hands. And I suppose I continued to... Um, go through the month of October and Dylan thankfully was born without any complications whatsoever but I knew myself I just didn't feel 100%. So from there then I had an MRI done in December 2018 and it showed that the tumour had significantly increased. It was now at two and a half centimetres and it was actually uh, I suppose protruding into the eye area and it was. I was having an even bigger, um, I suppose, impact on my hormones and signals to my adrenal function. And it meant after numerous tests, oh, I suppose I had to go undergo a lot of tests through January through to May 2019 and told then that I needed to be on steroids for, we didn't know for how long, but I needed steroids because my adrenal signals weren't working. So my body wasn't able to produce the right amount of cortisol for your fight or flight. And um, I needed to carry in an injection around with me, an emergency injection, in case I needed that, an extra medication. And then I also had other meds that I had to take for my thyroid and my hormones. So that was um, a huge, I suppose, at the time going through it all, like I was... Um, I was very, the fatigue was unreal. I I had a, a new baby at home. I had Maisie as well, who I was I blessed with the family and friends and an amazing childminder all around me that I had at the time at home with Dylan. But I was crying out for him nearly to go to bed, to go to sleep, so I could just lie down and go to sleep with him because I was only up two hours and I was absolutely exhausted again. Um. And there were other symptoms as well that I had. I had this excessive thirst. I was drinking three litres of water a day. I was very lethargic, down at times, um, sore joints when I got out of bed. And yeah, it, was, it, it, was, it wasn't a great time. It wasn't a, it wasn't no. a nice time. But yes, you, you just keep going because you've got a family and you don't know yeah. what else to do. Absolutely. Um, and what happened What happened from there was um, you had to then go for a procedure, which, ha- which happened in October 2019. Did they remove uh, the tumour and was it it's, it's still a, a benign tumour at that stage? Yeah, that's right. So I was told um, I needed the surgery to have it removed. So I was so fortunate, so blessed um, again with the neurosurgeon in Beaumont, who is Mr. Javid Poor. He got me in for surgery because they could see 
my eyesight could really be affected. I could lose my eyesight. That was the number one thing. Um, and they got me in and they removed the tumour. I was in for four days in Beaumont in a high dependency ward for a day. And then, um, yeah, taken extreme care of. They had to operate up through my nose. Um, so I was under general anaesthetic, all of those things. But um, I, I, they told me it was a successful surgery. But again, there was no um, knowing how my pituitary gland was going to react or if it would even heal itself and whether I'd even come off steroids at that stage. So I got home. I couldn't taste. I couldn't smell for, for weeks. I had lost those two senses. Um, and I was, again, just, I suppose, sleeping a lot at the time, just trying to recover. Yeah. And it was really only Christmas that I felt a bit of a turn, a bit of a turning point where energy levels were starting to to come right. round better. And I was actually starting to be able to interact with my children again, which I hadn't been able to do for quite some time. Yes. But so look, you, you, you have, they've come back, you've uh, motored on since, thank God. Yeah. And I want, I want to play this song and I'm going to run out of time. And just before I do, I want to say, thank you, you just want to say, you want to say, don't you, that music sustained you. Music sustained me. It, I, I felt I lost music for a long time and it was at a very low point this time last year, lying in my bed where I, I thought to myself, if I can get out of this bed and, and get up and get dressed, I am going out there to get myself a, a vocal coach. <laughs> and I did. And I found an amazing teacher, uh, Deirdre Shannon, and I owe her so much. She's a, an amazing teacher and an amazing friend. And she's gotten well, me to this point. So She has indeed. And let's hear your talent because here you are singing it's on already I hear it in the background oh mio babino caro listen it's lovely to talk to you continued good health thanks for joining thank me thank you Siobhan. so much Jerry for having me on you're welcome take care you too
the beautiful voice of Siobhan McAleese and Oh Mio Babino Caro. That's it for the moment. We'll have more interesting conversations with great guests soon for you on our next podcast. In the meantime, do join us each afternoon for Late Lunch Live from 1.30 on your station, LMFM. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.